This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Oh, hello, earbuds. It's me, Hannah Hart, coming to you via sound waves. I am so excited and so happy and so hype because today's episode features me interviewing my mom. Hubba hubba, what? Wow. My mom is uh, my hero and I love her so much. She is a survivor, a striver, and a thriver. If you don't know anything about me or my family history, you can read it all in the book Buffering, Unshared Tales of a Life Fully Loaded, also available on audiobook. Um, Or just read a summary online because I think that the subtle nuances in this episode will be more relevant. But also, if you haven't read it, you're going to enjoy this because my mom is a delightful woman. Or at least I think so. Oh, small caveat, uh, the audio on my end of things is a little bit tinny. I sound a little bit like a robot because I was uh, honestly very excited and distracted and in host mode. And I didn't... Uh, really figure out my half of the audio situation. However, you can hear it perfectly clear and crisp, and my mom's audio is great. And so, yeah, this episode of Analyze This is truly one of a kind and deeply special to me. So, uh, please kick back, relax, and enjoy. recording I've started recording okay that's great um hi mom it's me Hannah Hannah. today on Hanalyze This uh, we are going to be discussing the subject of motherhood and so for me uh, Hannah as the Hannah present here today I thought it would be really really wonderful to interview my mom because she is my mom the one and only (laughs) mom what does motherhood mean to you The number one thing in motherhood that you do, and you start doing it during your pregnancy, is self-sacrifice. Because you have an overarching goal to meet the needs of your daughter or your son. Your child. Yeah. Let me let me let me ask you this, because uh, this is this is how we like to do discourse here on Analyze This. Is there a point in motherhood where self-sacrifice can go too far? When they're adolescents. You start to take some time for yourself, but it, rarely do you take time for yourself prior to that. Now, keep mm-hmm. in mind, I was a single mother, so there was nobody yeah. to help me. So the way that your dad and I worked it out was every other weekend he took you guys, mm-hmm. and I had some time to myself. You know, what was, what was it like on those weekends? If so much, I would rent videos, buy a bottle of wine, and cheese and sourdough bread. Watch videos and take baths, and just you know, it was the weekend, so I had the time off work. It was fun. Oh, that's nice. That's really nice. I think that we, as like a society, really put a lot of pressure on 
the moms to be like this independent, total self-sacrificing body, you know, because we don't really have like the village system set up for ourselves and for each other, you know? And it's, it's interesting that you point out in adolescence is where you start to take time for yourself, because I believe that that's a time and maybe even earlier than adolescence. Maybe this is something we should start teaching kids from an early age is the importance of listening to ourselves and our bodies and, and knowing that line of, I need a little bit of space for me, but that doesn't mean that I'm ignoring you. Well, the natural process, assuming you have a pregnancy, you know, because people adopt children and they don't get this opportunity, the natural process of pregnancy forces you to take time for yourself, forces you to, to look at your own body or, and your own needs and listen to your body, cluing into all the things you're going to need in order to raise a baby. And then once you have the baby, you've started the process. It also puts some distance between you and your husband. Believe oh, it. Oh yeah. Yes, it takes it starts taking time in your relationship and the relationship changes. You have more needs. Yeah. I mean, so much. I was listening to um this really great podcast the other day talking about um population and talking about how societies where the household work became more evenly split have mm-hmm. Uh, had a continued healthy average population growth, but in societies where um, there's been no division of household labor, they've seen a real population decline. Wow! You know, because I think it's important to start to to manifest that to in, within the household to see, you know, each of us have our own set of needs, and all of them are valid, and we have enough room and space. So let's figure out a way to make this happen together is my, is my daydream. Now let's say in terms of like child rearing, what, what lessons do you feel like are important to impart upon the next generation? Number one, the most important thing you've got is community, your schools, your teachers, not isolating. The pandemic has been so isolating. And that actually is missing an important part of parenthood. You've got your daycare givers, yeah, the, the teachers at your day school, you know. Your neighbors. Your neighbors are important. I remember, you know, growing up in the 90s, we were surrounded by single moms. Yes, we were. We all clustered together. Yeah. I think that... Whether you know it or not, something that you imparted, at least on me, you know, was the um, understanding of multifacetedness and multiple mm-hmm. sides to a story. You know, I think you, you never talk to us like we were babies, like children, you know, how people dumb down their speech or change the way that they talk to a kid to like meet them where they are. You always just really leveled with us. And I think, and I very much appreciated it. We had a no baby talk rule that we would not talk baby talk to you. Where did that come from? Your father and I agreed on it, that there would be no baby talk. That makes sense. It led to us having a really exquisite vocabularies at an early age. It made you gifted in school. As I was getting ready for this today, I had all these like 
thoughts and ideas and questions and, and things I wanted to ask you. And now that I'm here in the moment, they've all left me, which is why it's important to write things down. And, you know, I used to watch you write things down a lot, all the time. And your beautiful, beautiful handwriting. You had journals and journals and journals filled with your with your thoughts and with writing things down. When did you start to, to journal and to write, Mom? What that was was a second brain. And I started when I had you, I I needed to write things down to remember them. Relax. When you had me? When I had both of you. But especially you, because your father and I broke up when you were a baby. So I had no one to remind me of things. I needed to write them down. And I made lists of things and um, notes to myself in these journals that I called my second brain. Second brain really works. It helps you keep track of things. I mean, I can't imagine being in your mid-20s with two small children and uh, independent. What was your family support like during that time? Like, what, what was your parents, what were your parents like during a time where you obviously were pretty uh, much underwater with a couple of kids? <laughs> well, they were, my parents were divorced. So they knew how to be supportive of a divorced woman. And they were both supportive. They were understanding and invited me to things and, you know, kept in touch regularly. Um, they didn't babysit, though. No? No. Neither of my parents would babysit. It's funny. But I didn't really need a babysitter very much. Yeah, I, I think watching you write things down in journals, it did. It really kind of helped me stay grounded because it's something that I adapted to as soon as I had learned to write. I remember you and Naomi would tell me that if you write things down, they, it, it's more likely for them to come true. You know, so I would write down like, I want Naomi and mom to come home, you know? And what I realize now in adulthood, looking back, is that that really helped me kind of stay present and grounded and not spin out, you know? I feel like people that accept and acknowledge their second brain almost get a chance to kind of see themselves through the fog, you know? Well, it's interesting that you would come up with that example because I was just thinking how we didn't have babysitters. We needed babysitters. Not having babysitters resulted in you and Naomi being latchkey children. Many, yeah, many, many, many people had latchkey kids during that time. It's why, how do I say this? It's why it's so important that childcare, if we're going to continue to overwork our labor class and create an impoverished nation, the least we could do is provide childcare to families who are struggling to stay above water. Yes, President Biden is working on that right now. Yes, he is. His infrastructure plan, which includes household needs of the families that are the American infrastructure. Yes. Isn't that something? It's great. It's pretty great. Because I look back on it and I see it, it just really broke my heart to leave you guys so that I could work. I know. Yeah. It was really hard. I mean, I think that's something that you know, people have such complex relationships with their, their, their parents and their mothers and their own identities. And something that I, my earliest memories are all of you and they're all positive. You know, it's all just shared time and attention. Stuff that stands out for me is singing. You sang to us, you sang with us. 
You know, we shared interests when we loved Saturday morning cartoons. It's crazy, mom. I'm 34 and I see people and they just plug their kids in front of TVs or iPads or whatever. And I'm like, like, they don't watch them with them. I'm like, well, you don't know who are these characters? Like what's going on in this little universe? And that's something like that Saturday morning cartoon, watching X-Men together, watching, watching our shows together was such sacred time because it was time you were home from work and there was a fairness to it. And and it was egalitarian, you know, because we would watch Star Trek or you would want to watch X-Files. And if X-Files was too scary for Hannah, well, Hannah, time to go to bed then because it's time for, you know what I mean? There was like, it was good balance and learning about shared resources, I suppose, because the TV was the entertainment and it was great. And we loved it. And we shared that together. Saturday morning cartoons were something else. That was your shows, the Saturday morning cartoons. And remember Pinky and the Brain? Yep. Animaniacs. Yes. The Tick. The Tick. Yep. It was great. And we we had and we had Simpsons on the weeknight or on Friday nights. I think it was like that was a special programming on Fox. We named Maggie after Maggie on The Simpsons. We did. Do you know she's watching like every episode of that show? Oh, how fun. And she's, it's funny because there's so many um, ma- mannerisms that we adapted in our family. Like, woohoo! Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that all come from the Simpsons. Yeah. Uh, but, they, you know, but it wasn't just TV too, though. I, I think that once we got cable, you know, once we, once we had a stepdad and we got cable and then it was like the history channel. And these were really good times for television and, and family, you know, because. Because it was so nice to see, honestly, it was so nice to see, like, you have a friend around, mm-hmm. you know, that had shared interests and, and and hobbies, you know. And we would watch programs about shows that, I mean, I still to this day don't fully understand. But still, it was cool, you know, and make time to go to museums and stuff like that. We spent a lot of time together, you know. Yeah. You were a lot of fun. Yeah. You were both great kids, which helped. Because we were funny and interesting. Yes. You were good. You were actually very well behaved. I could take you any place. You were wonderful. I think at an early age, personally, I understood that you were our adult. Yes in this world you know what I mean yes and uh, a healthy sense of something about being a latchkey kid is that and there was it was not just it was it was all in the 90s mom it wasn't just our household like it was all about the 90s there was stuff in media that was talking about like stranger danger or like having passcodes or like knowing who was picking you up and there was like you know, like kidnappings and scary stuff happening in our local news and like big, big stories. And, you know, for better or for worse, maybe because Naomi's a little older, but we always continued our policy of very blankly stating the facts. And um, it put a lot of fear in me, but I think that fear kept me safe. I really do. I remember that too, because I was latchkey. And um I remember my mother putting the fear of God into me. She would read me articles from the newspaper about kids. Really? Wait, I didn't know this. Really? 
she would read me articles from the newspaper about kidnappings and and different stranger abductions and such like that and so that I would know to come home close the door stay home and it was it was okay it was okay yeah I would watch Star Trek and Dark Shadows Dark Shadows was such a gift was hysterically good I didn't know you were a latchkey kid and, and this was the 1960s yes did you have did you have I had no idea that your mom also read you put the fear of God into you for being a latchkey kid I mean I came straight home after school I was very you know and I think it it it, it, it did it was making the best of it you know, was it the perfect scenario and circumstance? No. Did we physically it. survive? Far from it. No. And for you, I mean, our childhoods were very different. I mean, I invite you to to share if you're if you're comfortable. But what was your perception of, I suppose, like the parent-child dynamic growing up? My parent-child dynamic was different, though, because at a certain point in the day, my mother would come home from work and she would fix herself a drink. And one drink would lead to two and two to three. And she would she would drink quite a bit every night. And um, there were negatives. My mom was not a functional parent. She was an alcoholic. I feel like this is how you talk about it when you're talking about it. Like in therapy or in groups because when we <laughs> I mean I've heard a lot many more colorful descriptions let me put it that way <laughs> but you have this class about you mom you really do you know you're like well you know to each their own let me speak with this this fairness you know and you've you've always carried that yes Let's look on the bright side of things did you have any perceptions as a kid about what was going on in like society or the world when you were in, you know, cause you were, you were born in 1958, right? So right. from two to, to two to 12 was the 1960s. It was the civil rights movement. We thought about that a lot in school. We talked about it in school. We talked about um, the Holocaust and the civil rights movement and um, the, that was historic and that Martin Luther King was historic. And, you know, it was a big deal when he got assassinated. Where were you living at that time? In an apartment in Sacramento. In an apartment in Sacramento? Yes. So you guys left Wyoming when you were a baby? Oh, an infant. An infant. In okay. So Sacramento when I was two years old. Oh, okay. Right. And then what was your visitation like with your dad? I had very sporadic visitation with my dad. You know, he he just would visit whenever he thought of it. He didn't have regular visitation like you did. Your dad was a real part of your life. Every other weekend, you would go to your dad's. And it was much more regular and... Court-ordered. Court-ordered. You know, structure, paper, written down. It was a better Look, divorce. Every other weekend. Yeah. It was a much better divorce. Well, and that's not that's um, subject of societal growth, right? Because by the in the era where your parents got divorced, 
it wasn't the same as the era where you got divorced, right? So there was much more like alimony, protections, what joint custody means, these things kind of figured out instead of just throwing everybody to the wolves and having them learn these lessons generation after generation after generation. Yes, that's right. There's a, uh, Naomi and I were trying to remember this the other day, but when we would come home from dad weekends, there was a phrase we use, what I call as an adult now decompressing, like I need to decompress, like, like if I've been traveling too much, or if I had a day full of meetings and my head was somewhere else, like before I could just kind of shake it off and return to my body, there was something we would say where we had come home from dad weekends. And on Sunday nights, it was like this, I don't, I don't know. I can't remember what it was, but it was a phrase and it referred to that. It referred to kind of, you know, letting go of all the brainwashing. Yes. Noah was a devout Jehovah's witness and that still really is. impacted and he still is. And it really impacted your relationship with him. It was the structure on which young is so whole life, which is what you get from, you know, joining a group like Jehovah's Witnesses, they take over your whole life. Yeah, that's that's the way cults work. You know, yes. it just it because it, it consumes you. You know, and then anything outside of the uh, the consumption of self becomes the um, the other. Yes, you know, and God, heavens, heavens to Betsy, what would we do with the other? You know. <laughs> But I really appreciated that, though, because you always kept us really grounded. I mean, in in that reality of like, okay, wait, we just got back from a dad weekend. Ah, uh, what is the world that we live in? What? Is, where am I? Who are you, people? What's happening? And something else I'll give you total credit to is a mental health day. In the '90s, you gave you let us take mental health days from school, and that was so important. I got in trouble for that, but you really needed it because you'd come home from dad's just a mess, you know? Yeah. Woo! And that's where we're going to leave off for today, everybody. Uh, We continue our conversation for another 25 minutes but i will be posting that episode next week because i need to take a breather before we get into the school structure and uh the rest of our conversation um it gets believe it or not uh even even more i won't say better but there's more so Come back next week. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And um, you can follow me online everywhere on the internet uh, under Harto, H-A-R-T-O. Whew. Good stuff, everybody. Um, thanks so much for listening to part one today. It has uh, It's meant a lot to me, and I hope it gives you a little bit of um, an updated view of my reality and my, 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 my story. And where we are today. So uh, see you next week. Bye-bye.